everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Great American Senior Show with your gray-haired host, Sam Yates. As we head into our third year of the Great American Senior Show, we're asking our worldwide audience to drop us a note with your name and location, and we'll give you a shout-out. Now, let's find out today's latest news on the Great American Senior Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting edition of the Great American Senior Show. I'm your gray-haired host, Sam Yates, and today, an interesting topic with an equally interesting guest from the Seattle, Washington area, and he's going to tell us exactly where he's from. I understand he is on the side of the Cascades that doesn't get as much snow as the other side, but... um, I'm going to let him tell us about that because it's my pleasure to introduce Cliff Tadima. And Cliff is the founder of Elder Care Ministries. Cliff, welcome to the program. Thank you, Sam. It's great to be on. You know, we've been uh, chatting back and forth for probably two months to get uh, get the schedule here uh, so that we would be able to get you on. And lo and behold, it snowed on you. Yes, Yes, it has. <laughs> now, ex- explain where you are first, and then well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, I actually live in Smoky Point, which just is a little, little bit north of Seattle. Um, I've got a cabin on what we call the east side of the mountains, or my friends do, and I get a, the chance to use it. And uh, that's where we get a whole lot more snow. And uh, so they've got snow there. We don't have snow on what we call the west side. Yeah. So Very good. Very yeah. good. Now, how did you get involved with um, with the concept that you're developing now? I know your wife is a gerontologist. Uh, you both, I suppose, are seniors, uh, as I've been told, and yes. uh, myself included. So, I, you know, it's not a, anything derogatory. It's just where we are in life. But how did you get to this point of knowing this is something that is needed? Well, there's no question my wife was the impetus of it. Uh, my background had been uh, almost 20 years on the financial side of business. I was a certified financial planner and a and a office of supervisory jurisdiction for the securities business. And then I spent 18 years, uh, well, almost 19 years now, I guess, being a pastor and then training pastors and overseeing churches. So kind of a, an unusual background. My wife, uh, for the last now almost 31 years, has been involved in uh, mostly the assisted care a part of the elder care industry, but has actually been involved in a lot of different uh, of those areas as a gerontologist. And about, um, oh, I don't know, seven years ago or so, she began to ask her clients this question. So we can both agree that you're in the, the last season of your life. What's most important to you in this last season of life? And um, she obviously knows what you and I know is that when we, we're you're, the age we are, you're not afraid. You acknowledge the fact that you are at that age and you are in the last season. So that part was easy to discuss. But what she found interesting is that over 90 percent of them would instantly respond with something like, I just want to be a value. I just want to have a purpose. I don't want to just be left to die. And then she began to reflect on where the industry is at and how we care for our elders. And she realized we're missing this. We're completely missing this idea of purpose. We do a reasonably decent job of housing them if they have the funds to to support that. We do a reasonably decent job of their health care if they have the funds to support that. But we don't address this issue. In fact, mostly what we tell them is come to our, our community and we'll care for you like you're on the grand pleasure cruise until you pass. 
And uh, she said, but that's not what, what they want. What they want is to still have purpose and to have value. Somehow we have to bridge that gap. And so um, as she began to drip that information on me, and I got later in my career, when I decided to retire, I realized that um, retirement really should not be sit and do nothing. It should be a change of purpose myself. And so uh, when I realized I need to change my purpose and the people who are in that position, they need often need someone to help them change theirs, just to identify and then engage in what a purpose, a reason for living could really be. And so that's where the idea came from. And then it was, how do you carry that out? How do you do that with people across the nation ultimately? And so many as the baby boomers start heading into that right now that are going to experience this. And that's when we said, well, the only way we can do that, and with my background training pastors, it became, and I was a hospital chaplain myself for about five years while I was a pastor, was, uh, well, let's train people to do this. And let's train ordinary people to do it. So that's where elder care got its beginning. And and I have to say it's fascinating because you've hit on a couple of different areas that uh, creates a passion for me with this particular program in educating. I mean, we have 60 million plus elderly and more coming in the United States right now. So uh, there is a need for what you are talking about. And one of my pet peeves is that many times I see our elderly in facilities and they're getting care to a degree, but in some respect, they're institutionalized. It's not a jail, but it is pretty darn close to it in many times. And that that point that you're making, a sense of still being a person and contributing is absolutely something that has to be done. So yes. that, that said, uh, how many chaplains, and, and I think you call them care chaplains? That's correct, yeah. Uh, when I told my wife, I said, I think we, we have to have a term, we have to have a title for these people. And, right. and I said, I'm thinking about chaplains because I had also, we trained some people in one of the uh, churches I was involved with to become emergency chaplains. You know that if there's an emergency, they go out and help people. And uh, and she said, well, I don't like the term chaplain because um, in the industry, it can have a negative connotation. It may have somebody either promoting one particular type of religion, or it may have somebody who just shows up once a month to do communion or a Eucharist or something like that. Uh, it has, it does have kind of a connotation of passivity or of something bad's happened. Oh, the chaplain's here. Somebody's died. And, uh, and she said, that's why I don't like it. While we were discussing that and trying to come up with what title would work, COVID hit. And, uh, and I was in a hospital, uh, hoping to see someone that was a uh, constituent of mine. And, um, and they were not, not allowing me in. They said, mm-hmm. you can't come in. I said, well, I'm his pastor. And they said, well, we are, understand that, but nobody can come in because of COVID except for what kind of people? Essential workers. Yes. So as we're talking about it, two people walked by me, and she welcomed them in and said, okay, go ahead. And I said, well, who are they? Thought maybe they were doctors. And she said, well, they're chaplains. And I said, oh, my goodness, I'm a chaplain. I happen to be a chaplain of a different hospital, but I'm a chaplain at that hospital. Oh, well, now I could get granted privilege to go in. And I went, okay, we've got to call these people chaplains so that they are essential workers. Because when I think about how many of our elders were, as you said, 
incarcerated, especially during COVID, and their loved ones are yelling to them up to two-story window to try to communicate with them and let them know they care about them, but cannot get in to see them. And so we said, okay, how do we, how do we take this term and change it into something positive? And, uh, and that's where we came up with the idea of calling them care chaplains. So we trademarked that term so that the only people who can be considered a care chaplain must go through our training. Right. Great idea. And, you know, that uh, the word chaplain and the chaplaincy concept, uh, what I particularly liked about it in, in doing the research before I had you on the program and and for our audience, I always do a little research uh, to make sure that when we have someone on, they're reputable, they're legitimate. And I wanted to make sure that we were not focusing on one religion, because I know that will get a, a bit of pushback. And if we're talking about something that's a national concept that can go out nationwide, it's not a neutrality, but it is a all-encompassing, uh, no matter what your religion, a chaplain can be there for you. Fair statement? Very fair statement. In fact, uh, as a hospital chaplain, I was trained that way, right? So you're trained to go in and meet people where they're at and say, hey, what what is your spiritual uh, background? What what Where do you line up? What's important to you? And then to be able to help them from that place go forward from where they're at. And so that's one thing that is unique from some chaplains that, as you said, are perhaps one denominationally orientated. Ours are not. The other thing that's unique is that most chaplains, my father was a, a chaplain in the military, and um, and those chaplains are, it's all, they do the work, right? So, uh, and even now, if you're a, a, a hospital chaplain, as a hospital chaplain, I'm the one coming in, comforting, caring, doing all those things, but I'm not empowering anyone else to do that. I'm doing it myself. Our care chaplains are intentionally trained to empower the people they work with to, to engage themselves in carrying out things, in having that purpose, in having a reason for living. So um, so we say, hey, don't you go in and do it for them where it is possible. Help them do it because they got all kinds of people doing stuff for them, and most of them are irritated by that. They want to be able to, to, to be of value themselves. You know, our time is going to fly by here, and, you know, I just had someone remind me, Sam, make sure you – uh, let people know how to reach out and contact you. How can they do that? Because I know that a lot of people are going to have that little light bulb go off. And they're going to go, wow, I need to help. How can they do that? Uh, so I would suggest going to our website, which is eldercareministries.org. And uh, and that's the best place to get connected and to also find out more information about us. How many care chaplains do you have right now? I know that you're headquartered uh, in that Seattle area. How many do you have, and, and what area are you currently serving? Okay, so we uh, we started, Sam, just before COVID, we started putting together the curriculum. So we have done only three trainings so far. Our last one we videoed, so we've, we've had 20, I think it's 24 chaplains uh, go through the training and become licensed. Training was a three-day intensive, eight hours a day and about an hour and a half of homework, and there were three curriculum books we have been read prior to coming. Uh, we we uh, really appreciate Be Mortal by Atul Gawande. Uh, we we appreciate uh, um, uh, Jill Jill Atul Awesome is how you say her last name. I think disrupting the status quo of senior living, 
and of course, Rick Warren's uh, Purpose Driven Life. Those three would say, hey, read those to give you a background and then come to the training. And then after the three days of training, they take a test that uh, uh, upon, upon completing, they are able to become licensed care chaplains. So we just started that there. Our last training we videotaped. So today we are in uh, working very hard at uh, getting that training be, to be able to go online. Once that's online, we can immediately we can go national very quickly. And any place we have a few people together, we can begin to put together a group to become chaplains, care chaplains. With your background in a, a financial background in particular, I know that you are very calculating on how this is going to happen. Idea on how many chaplains you will, how many care chaplains, let's make sure we identify them correctly. How many care chaplains do you anticipate needing nationwide? Oh, my goodness. The term I use, Sam, is armies. Armies. We And, and the beautiful thing about this is the type of people and variety of people that can do this is, is, is just, it's extremely broad. If you love people, if you are willing to listen and, and help them and just give them a little bit of your time, you can do this. You don't have to have, uh, you don't have to be a college graduate. You don't have to have a PhD. You don't have to have gone to seminary. You just have to care about people enough to say, I want to learn how, how to ask and listen effectively so I can help them. And as one of the chaplains said uh, recently, as he was going through his training, he said, wait a minute, my purpose is now giving people purpose. And I said, bingo, you got it. So that is a wonderful part of it. And, and, but we literally, what we have found is at first we thought, oh, we would like to have one chaplain per community that they go into per uh, senior uh, uh, independent living or assisted care community, or even a, 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 you know, just a retirement center. And, um, and what we found is that's not near enough. We need a team. We need, we need, ideally, we need anywhere from two to five for, for each community. That allows them not to, it's not a full-time job. It could be, but most of our chaplains are, they give two to five hours a week, and they try to be in their community at least once a week and preferably a couple of times. Now, I have to ask, are the majority of your chaplains seniors themselves? Yes, they are. And um I don't know that I thought it would work that way when we first started, but it sure has. Most of them are recently retired. Some of them are actually, uh, in fact, we have a couple of them who say, well, I'm not just, I, I are one and I probably should be in the home, but I'm not quite ready for that yet. And so we have, I think our oldest one is 83. And uh, and we actually had one that was 92 that said, hey, I want, you better hurry up and get this training done. I want to take that so I can do it in Hawaii. <laughs> so yes, yes, across the board. How are you being received in the the elder care communities, the uh, the facilities, and how do you get in there? Yeah, um, we've been received magnificently. Uh, as soon as they find out what we're doing in it, the training that our people have gone through, I mean, to them, it's such a win win. Uh, wow, you mean we could have people come in here? add something to our residents, help us create effective community, be building relationships with these people. And it costs us nothing. Are you kidding me? Uh, we don't have to pay for uh, E&O insurance. We don't have to, we just get to have these people come in. So what we found honestly is that I'm, I'm kind of afraid to tell people 
the every every community we've been in have said, how fast can you get in our other other locations? And so right now, what inhibits us is how quickly we can effectively train and deploy the people. I would venture to say that there will be communities out there of chain care facilities, uh, thinking out loud, that are going to say, Cliff, this is such a great idea. We may have some funding for you. Uh, open for that as well? Yes. Um, right now, we've been funded by, by private individuals who believe in the mission. Um, but I, be, I believe that, uh, in fact, we just had we just had one of the communities that we have a chaplain in that said, hey, how can we help? And they have agreed. They've now become a sponsor because they said, we want we see what's happening here. So they view us as uh, an Alzheimer's association or one of the other support communities supporting the elders and said, and that's what we were saying is, hey, if you can see what we're doing and you believe in what we're doing, we'd appreciate you treating us like you do that. It sounds like a win-win for everyone. I, I want to step inside those care facilities for a moment uh, and, and looking at um, you know some of the information and prepping here. Uh, one of the things that you do is is quite uh, you know uh, expected, and that is you do Sundays in the facilities, but it doesn't stop there. No, in, in fact, um, I thought we would lead with that because of the communities that I talked to. One of the first things they said is, "Would you come and do our Sunday service?" And because most of them, most of them want a Sunday service that can be that people of of the majority of their face can attend, and um, and they and so I thought that would be the way in, but truthfully, most of our chaplains have found that during the week is a more effective time because uh, of the availability of the people, and they're looking for somebody to come in and during the week and make those contacts then as well. So we don't insist on doing a service at all if. If it's available and one of our chaplains can meet that need, great. But it's more a matter of building the relationships in whatever context that works. Sense of being. that That's what it all boils down to. Now, yeah. when earlier you said that it was uh, in doing this, this is not necessarily something you or the other chaplains go in with the purpose of we are going to do everything for you. You involve the senior citizens in those facilities and communities as well. Yes. So if one of our chaplains does come in and because they've been asked to, would you do a Sunday service? We've trained them to, to immediately say, how can you let the residents do that as much of that as possible? And you step back and empower them to be engaged. Uh, and uh, we just had a deal uh, a week and a half ago. One of our chaplains was in a new community and had been introduced by the people. And the chaplain said, look, I'm not here to do more things for you. I'm here to help you be more effective at doing things of value to you. And they, the ones who could literally gave her a standing ovation. And they said, oh, my goodness, we're so glad to hear that. We're so tired of people just trying to do stuff for us and not letting us be engaged in doing things. I know that uh, our listeners, wherever they may be listening right now, uh, I want to come back and, and get that information on how they can contact you because I can just sense that people are going to want to reach out. They're going to have questions. One more time, Cliff, how can they how can they reach out to you? It's eldercareministries.org. And uh, that's our website. Go there and 
have fun with it. Play around, and there's a video I recommend watching, and a real short one. And uh, and they can also just contact us, and we'll get back to them. We've covered a, a lot of territory. Is there anything else that is really important that we need to let people know right now? I, you know, Sam, I think all of your. I, I appreciate so much what you're doing. By the way, I just you obviously have a purpose. And uh, in seeing you kind of, I've listened to your shows and and, uh, and your heart for the seniors. And I think that really, from my perspective, the people that are listening, if they don't know somebody in this situation or that is not them, they should stop and get to know someone or just ask someone they know, hey, how about you? How do you feel about these things? And where are you at? I think then we can all begin to come together to to change the culture, and really, that's our my heart's cry is how do we how do we quit discriminating against our elders and treat them with the respect and dignity that they deserve, and that we are actually called to do as a as a nation and as a community. You know that that brings the question of our government at, at different levels. Shouldn't they be doing some of, not doing this, but shouldn't they be encouraging more of this, whether it be by funding or in some function? And and are you reaching out to let them know what you're doing? You know, when we uh, formed Elder Care Ministries, uh, we formed it with three different streams. The one is the chaplains and training them. The Another stream is just what you're talking about. It's how do we petition? How do we lobby? How do we help government to understand what their part is? Not doing it all, because I think we too much want them to do that. But how do how can we help them partner with us in resolving these things that are out there that they could help with? And then our third stream is actually, and, and, and by the way, we haven't really, uh, because we're as new as we are, we haven't really been able to get traction with that particular stream yet. And then our third stream is a fun one that we call Bucket Wishes. And there people donate money that we use to um, to be to give bucket wishes to seniors who um, where they can see that they can the, they can see the end and there's something in their life maybe they're terminal there's something else that's happened and we just say if there's one more thing we could do for you in this season can we do it and then we use the funds that come into bucket wishes to to do that and that's a lot of fun. What a great idea. I mean, it everything that you're talking about, I have seen the need for in senior communities, in those in many times gated institutions with the you must have a pass to get in and they're not letting people out, especially during COVID. They weren't letting anyone in and out. But but let's recap again. This is a new concept uh, by Elder Care Ministries, care chaplains. Uh, you have been uh, working on this for a while. The the concept is chaplaincy into senior communities, and it's not non-denominational, but it is not specific to any one religion. And you need chaplains, you need funding. What else can we help point your direction? Uh, get the word out. Get the word out. Yep, that's it. Cliff, I want to thank you for being here on the program. Most important question of the entire program. Will you be able to come back at some point in the future and give us an update? I would love to, Sam. 
great. Cliff Tatama, you are the founder of Elder Care Ministries and Care Chaplaincy. Care Chaplains, and their chaplaincy is something that is definitely needed. So I want to thank you personally from my heart, from uh, all of my staff, their hearts as well, because they were like, we have to have this guy on. So you are here. We're going to do our part to support you, and I encourage our listeners to do the same as well. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Sam. I'm Sam Yates, your gray-haired host of the Great American Senior Show. I hope that you take what you have heard today to heart. And in the meantime, until our next episode, have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Great American Senior Show, America's favorite podcast devoted to the health, welfare, education, and information for seniors of all ages. Our audience has grown into the thousands thanks to loyal listeners just like you. Remember the Great American Senior Show for the news you need to know. Have a great day, everybody.